We are in Romans chapter 6 tonight, uh, continuing on. Oh, I've got to get there here. Romans chapter 6. And uh, let me get over to it. Get my bookmark here, Mark, so when I flip around. Okay, so Romans chapter 6. So, uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the word tonight. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for for this time together, we thank you for that wonderful worship, how beautiful it is. How great is your faithfulness, Lord. You are faithful. Your mercies are new every morning. We thank you so much for that reminder as we sung your praises. Uh, it is good for us to reflect on your and remember your goodness toward us. And so, Lord, now as we open up your word, this is something so marvelous that we can be thankful for. You're wonderful uh, saving grace and the work you're doing in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you might give us understanding this evening. Transform us. Lord, for those who are struggling with walking in you, Lord, I pray that tonight would be that moment of clarity that you might set them free from addiction, set them free from habitual sin. I, I pray, Lord God, that as we experience your love tonight, we might even be just set free from the things we've been justifying in our lives all along. So we thank you now, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Romans chapter 6, and we, we've moved in from, we, we, as we've gone through Romans, we've, we've gone for why we need a Savior, and then we've gotten into who the Savior is, and how he saves by this wonderful gift of God, this grace that he gives to us. And then, the, then we've gone into the knowing phase. And, and uh, there are three key words that we wanted you to know as we go through Romans chapter 6. And that was know, reckon, and present. So again, the know is, is an, uh, the idea of understanding these truths. That you and I have been identified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. We've, with the life we now live in the body, we live unto Christ. And of course, I'm quoting from Galatians, but that's a good summary of where we've been. And then, uh, then of course, we got into reckon. And, and the reckon is this calculating term that we're to calculate, add up, do the math, and understand that as far as God is concerned, you are dead, the old man is dead, and now you're the new man in Christ Jesus. And that was, that's an important understanding for us. And finally, last week, we just started to, to touch on the phase of now present. And, and presenting can also uh, be understood as yielding. Okay, so yielding, uh, we don't use that term too much because I don't think anybody in California ever yields. Uh, but but um, this idea of presenting ourselves, we're no longer presenting ourselves to sin. We're now presenting ourselves or yielding to uh, Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're getting in today is we're going to finish out Romans chapter 6 tonight, Lord willing. And um, I want to just say there are some wrong understandings of Christianity out there. And, and Paul is going to answer these. Uh, and he's, and he partly he already has answered. But the first is those who, who view Christianity as good for morals and ethics. And so you may have heard somebody say this. Oh, I think Christianity is great to be a moral person. It's good for society. Uh, but they're missing, they, they misunderstand the purpose of Christianity. 
Uh, Christianity is not to teach people how to be good. It's to save people from sin. It's following Jesus Christ. It's a transformative uh, process of being in Christ. The second idea is that because of grace, sin no longer matters even. So that we can just live however we want. Sin is irrelevant and we just continue on. And of course, Paul asked a question at the very beginnings of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And so now that we understand that God's grace is so good, do we just keep on sinning so it looks even better? And of course, Paul says, by no means. And that's where he started with the idea of knowing who we are in Christ. Well, now in in, uh, verse 15, Paul is going to start out with another question that he's anticipating his uh, readers are asking. So verse 15, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So as Paul uh, opens up this question, the idea of shall we continue, shall we, um, sorry, Shall we sin because we are not under the law of grace? This has this idea of an occasional act of sin as opposed to the life of sin. The, the life of sin was Romans 1. The question that we have, sorry, Romans 6, 1. That question Paul asked at the beginning, that's just continuing in life. This idea carries with it uh, the occasional act of sin, the justifying or just blowing off that occasional sin in our life. And, and so as Paul says, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And so you understand the law, but you recognize you're under grace, so it's, you just justify it. It's, hey, it happens, right? Listen, we, uh, we want to get married. We intend to get married, but we just haven't done it yet, right? That, that idea. So instead we live in adultery together is what the Bible calls. But we justify it because of grace. Or maybe it's, well, of course, I, I don't think lying's good. Lying's bad. In fact, you can't trust liars. But we're going to lie and then justify it. But it was a good lie. Or if I didn't tell that lie, it would hurt somebody, right? We, we justify it. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about just choosing to sin uh, for some outcome uh, and, of course, not always sinning, but, but just choosing to do it on the occasional ha- uh, uh, act. Now, of course, Paul's answer to that is certainly not, okay? Certainly not. Now, for some of us, we may need to change our attitude. And as we change our attitude, as we're confronted with biblical truth, it, it should produce a change in action. Now, I listed a couple sins that are easier to spot, but what about pride? Certainly, I can be prideful and I can justify it. Certainly not. Uh, What about my anger flying off the handle? Well, well, Jesus turned over those tables, you know, right? That's always the justification. Jesus turned over the tables and made a whip. I'm justified in my anger, right? 
Uh, certainly not. So let's get into this a little bit and see how this truth of living in grace changes our life. Because really this is an issue of, of someone who does not understand the grace of God. They do not understand the grace of God. So we're, we are talking about that person that wants to uh, have this life of planned infrequent sin. And Paul says, certainly not. Let's understand the grace of God. So first of all, we have to understand something about sin. Sin promises big. It sure does. Sin always promises big. That's why we want to sin. That's why we want to do what we want to do, because sin promises big. But I'll tell you this truth, it never delivers in the long term. In the long term, it always catches up, and it never brings about the desired result that we want, okay? Sin, sin, uh, we can be tempted to sin, and certainly it might feel good in the moment, but long term, it never brings about the desired result. In fact, we're going to see long term, it's really like being bound in chains. So the, uh, it's a mockery, though, to tell someone who's a slave, don't beha- behave as a slave. Look at verse 16. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So we're going to talk a lot about slavery today. And part of it is Paul kind of almost apologizes later on in this part of it, but he says, look, this is, I'm just speaking in human terms here in a way that you and I can understand this idea because slavery is actually quite awful. There's, I, I, it just completely crushes the human spirit, it, it, it takes away who God's created them to be. It, God never designed us and created us for bondage. He created us for freedom. In fact, Jesus, that was one of the declarations of the kingdom of Jesus coming was that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God desires that you and I experience freedom, true freedom, but of course, slavery is one of those things that we see manifested. And still, even to this day, there are countries and places where slavery is justified, and it's absolutely terrible. But what a mockery it is to tell a slave, don't behave as a slave. Because think about it for a minute. If there is a slave, someone who's in bondage, and, and does not have uh, choices, that, that cannot make choices of their own will, that does not have their own resources, that has to subject themselves to a master, how can you tell that person, don't act as a slave? Well, that's foolish, right? I mean, think about it. You're, you're telling them to act in a way that they're not even enabled to act. You, you can't tell a slave, act as a free man, because they can't be a free man. They're enslaved. And it's a total mockery to tell a slave, don't act that way. But I'll tell you this, and this is part of the purpose, is when, when we're told here in Romans not to act as a slave, it's because we have another choice. We have another choice we can make. 
Because they're, they're, we've already seen that we have died to that old life of slavery, that bondage of sin. We've been crucified with Christ. So we understand that. And now we have another choice. We no longer have to behave as if we were slaves to sin. We've been set free. Now we are able to think and live as free people. This is good. Now, how do we put this together? I know, I know we, especially as Americans, like to say, of course I'm free. But we're talking about sin. And we're using the illustration of slavery. Because sin is certainly a type of bondage. Again, Paul says in that verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, remember presenting is yielding yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one's slave, slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So Paul's going to give this illustration here using slavery, and he's basically telling them you can have two masters, okay? The first master is sin, and you can present your members to sin, but look at what sin does, leading to death. Or you can present yourself to righteousness uh, or obedience leading to righteousness. So I know it doesn't, uh, the, the, the illustration only works so far, but I want you to understand that the only way to truly be free is to know Jesus Christ and submit yourself completely to him. When we submit ourselves as slaves to Christ, we find freedom. When we submit ourselves to slaves to sin, all we find is bondage. Uh, we might think we're finding freedom, but it is only bondage. So, Paul answers this question uh, in Romans 6, 6, 16 through 23, and he's showing that The Christian, the one who has submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus, has now changed masters. And and not only have we changed masters, but we're actually serving the Lord Jesus. And it's not in their nature, our nature, to sin anymore. Okay, Now, I'm not teaching that you and I are never going to sin. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we're talking about this new nature that you and I have in Christ and, and that we actually have choices. So uh, again, you're not born into it. Look at verse 17. But God, be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Okay? So what do we see here? Well, first of all, we see past tense. You were slaves of sin. You were, past tense. Consider this for a moment. January 1st, 1863, wonderful day, Abraham Lincoln gave the Emancipation Proclamation. And of course, the Emancipation Proclamation only went toward those states that had seceded from the Union and were engaged in war against the Union We know it wasn't until the 13th Amendment was passed in the Constitution that slavery was finally done with in the U.S. But listen to what Abraham Lincoln wrote or spoke in his Emancipation Proclamation. He said this, And by virtue of the power and for the purpose aforesaid, 
I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are, and henceforward, shall be free. And that the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. Okay, that's a beautiful proclamation. Abraham Lincoln just stated that from here on, the resources of the United States government and and, and the government itself states that you are free and we will help you be free. So the proclamation was made. So now you have slaves in slave states that, that are given a new choice. They are no longer in bondage. That is now past tense. They can leave. But not all did. Some remained. Because that was all they ever knew. They just stayed there. How strange it is that, that one would stay in slavery because that was the best that they knew. That was all they knew. And, and so rather than recognizing that they're now free, they stay there. And I want to encourage you that some Christians are in that very place. They've been set free in Christ, but they stay in bondage. They continue submitting themselves to bondage. They continue justifying that bondage. Oftentimes when I'm, I, I get a phone call for a need for help due to a situation, family needs counseling, an individual needs counseling, uh, they come in because it's some big sin. Some sin issue has finally come to the surface and, and nobody wants anyone to know about their sin. I, I don't even want to know about everybody's sin. I, you know, it's like, I'm good if we're all perfect. That's great. I know we're not, but, you know, I, nobody wants to know about each other's sin. But Because there's a lot of shame in exposing sin, right? Of course, really, that's oftentimes the path to freedom. But they'll come in and they'll want to talk and focus on this particular sin, But as we start speaking, as we start going through the Word of God, we find that there is a whole pattern of thinking that is enslaving to sin, and all it's doing is really manifesting itself in this big thing. But but the sin sin pattern, the, the, the thinking... The choices that are being made, there's sin going all over the place. It's like an onion that we're peeling back the layers, looking at this thing, going, well, this actually started way back here (laughs) when you denied this truth about your life. And so that's one of the issues about a person that chooses to remain the slave. They're not recognizing that God has set them free. So, So look at what he says here in verse 17. He says, Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Obeyed from the heart. You were exposed to the word of God and to the work of Christ you surrendered. That, that's, that's that obeyed. That, that it started in your heart as you were exposed to the work of Christ and as you surrendered to, the, to, to him, the word of God, 
then, then uh, you, you chose to obey that. And that's, that's when we come to Christ. That's when we, we say, yes, Lord, I believe in that work that you did for me. Yes, Lord, I want to be free of my sin. Yes, Lord, I want eternal life. You were exposed to that, the word of God and the work of Christ you surrendered to. Now look at what it, but it continues to say. It says, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Uh, sometimes the word doctrine, when we hear the word doctrine, it's not super exciting. We're like, oh, it's going to get boring. <laughs> and uh, there's some of us who geek out on this stuff. We're like, oh, yeah. But most of us don't. Most of us think doctrine. We're like, uh, Next thing the pastor's going to say in the Greek, it says, well, listen, let me tell you. In the Greek, the word form... <laughs> it's tupas. And uh, what, what does that mean? Well, it means to, I just said that for a joke, but, but the word actually means to imprint or to mold. So we're talking about that form of doctrine, that teaching of God that formed you or imprinted Christ on you. So you can think about what a form is, uh, whether it be for melting metal and forming it. I love that, that show, uh, uh, Forged in Fire, where they're making swords and knives. Who, which man does not love that show? Uh, I think all women should also watch that show. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Lord is speaking. No, okay, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, so, <laughs> but I love watching them make these knives and swords and then testing them. and uh, It's just great. But, but when you think about this idea that you've got to start by forming up this metal block and, and you know, the different, different blacksmiths will make like Damascus steel or whatever steel they want to do. And then they, they heat it up and they fire it pr- properly. And it's got to take this form. Well, or, or maybe it's jewelry. Someone's making jewelry and they, they form a ring or, or form something to it. Or, or maybe it's something even more simple. Maybe it's your Play-Doh set. Wyatt, I'm talking about you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but you have a Play-Doh set. You know, who doesn't like playing with their kids Play-Doh, right? And you take the little, the little stamp and you put it on there and then it looks like that. Or when I was a kid, we had Silly Putty, right? So, um, so but it's the, the idea of forming, uh, we're, we're, we're forming to the doctrine to which you were delivered. You are no longer imprinted by Adam. You've been imprinted by Christ. That's what we're talking about. So that old man, that sin nature that was imprinted on by Adam, the form that you took before, now in Christ you no longer take that form. You take a new form. And that's an important understanding. You, this, that doctrine of, of this doctrine that even right now as we're talking about it, it's imprinting on you what God has done in you and that you no longer should submit yourselves to the slave master, but to Christ. Psalm 119 verse 45. The psalmist writes this, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Isn't that interesting? We often think of the rules or the laws of God as being restrictive. But the psalmist uh, understands this and, and really even almost in a prophetic way states that I will walk at liberty because I seek you, Lord. I seek who you are. I want to be like you. 
When we seek God's, the precepts of God, we're seeking his character. We're not seeking something restrictive. We're seeking to understand who he is, that we can be like him. It, it, it's really a wonderful idea. So, you have, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. All right, verse 18 says, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Again, look at what it says, having been set free from sin. What is that? Past tense, having been set free. So again, we're, we're hitting the past tense. This is old. Now you surrender yourself to righteousness. Now, set free from sin. I don't know if you're familiar with the term manumission. Uh, manumission. It, 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 it's, it's a term used to set slaves free. And in fact, it, it used to be where if they were setting someone, a slave free, they might do a whole ceremony where they brought in an anvil and they, they had a hammer and they brought those chains before and they broke it. And it was a, a, a manumission ceremony. But just that idea that you've been set free. So I want you to consider that picture when you're tempted to, to continue in sin or to justify a sin. How is this possible? Jesus Christ has set me free. I'm done with that old life. I no longer need that life because there is a new life in Christ that I have. Um, now, David Gusick, I, I love what he says about this. He says, Sinless perfection is an illusion until resurrection. I'm going to say that one more time. Sinless perfection is an illusion until resurrection. See, a lot of times we start to approach these doctrinal truths with this idea that, okay, I can be sinless. And we try real hard. And then all we got to do is ask your spouse, are you still sinless? <laughs> you know, and they'll know. They'll be able to tell us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but the whole idea is we'll start to put this burden on ourselves. that No, I'm perfect. And then we stumble. And then we stumble again. Then we stumble. And then we go, okay, well, forget this. I don't, I, I'm not going to be able to do this, right? Well, again, we're not, this is the grace of God in our lives. It's the work of God. At the resurrection, you're going to find that, that sinless perfection is finished. That work is finished. But until that point in time, you are maturing. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, And, and of course, before this, John talks about that, that, uh, that if, we, if we sin and, and don't walk in, in the truth, we, we deceive ourselves. Okay? We're, we're not walking with Christ. If we say we have fellowship with Christ, but we walk in sin, there's no fellowship with Christ. Then he goes on to say, but if you... Uh, it, sorry, I lost my place. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So wait, well, John, what is it? Well, John's saying, no, we can't go continuing on in sin. If we say we know Jesus, there's not, Jesus has no fellowship with sin, okay? So the whole idea is that, that when we've come to Christ, we now submit ourselves to him. And yes, we will stumble. Yes, we will sin. But... Um, but that, that's a real thing. We're going to continue to struggle with sin, and we will continue to mature in Christ, and we go to him now when we've sinned. So uh, sinless perfection is an illusion until resurrection. But again, we're talking about this slavery. Let me give you an idea of what it means to be a slave. 
so a slave is one born in a condition of slavery. That was you born uh, in your sin nature when, from the day you were born. That was you. Uh, slavery is one whose will is swallowed up by the will of another. Okay? You, you don't get to make choices. Your will is completely swallowed up by the will of another. You get to accomplish the will of another. Slavery is one who is bound to the master with bonds only death can break because you're owned by someone else. Like we looked at last week, only, only death brings freedom to the slave. We talked about that last week, or two weeks ago, sorry. Uh, and then slavery is one who serves his master to the disregard of his own interests. So you're not allowed to have your own interest. You're a slave. You get to serve someone else. But the following is true in regard to slavery to righteousness. First of all, we are born again. We have this new birth, second birth. So we're, we're born not into slavery, but we're born into Christ, into righteousness. We, we're born again as slaves to righteousness. Our will is now swallowed up in the will of God. It is his will that matters to us, not our own. This is a choice of surrender uh, versus, versus the choice of, of being forced. We're bound to Jesus with bonds that only death can break. Uh, uh, but since he has triumphed over death and given us eternal life, those bonds will never be broken. Now that's pretty great that, that uh, Jesus has solved that problem of death. We'll never die. Because remember, at the very beginning of this, those of us who have been baptized with Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We both share in that death and that resurrection. It's pretty wonderful. Uh, We now willingly choose to serve Jesus and disregard our own selfish interests. There's a big difference between a slave to sin and a slave to Jesus or to righteousness. So verse 19 I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Okay, so this is where Paul's kind of almost, uh, it almost seems like he's kind of just trying to help us know that he, he doesn't want to use terms of slavery, but this helps us understand it. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Uh, so as he gives us this illustration, I want you to imagine something here. Imagine for a moment that you received a new job and, uh, you were told, uh, yeah, we'd like to hire you and we're going to, we're going to give you great pay job with great benefits, great benefits. Uh, you start Monday morning, 9am. Cool. Thank you. So what do I need to do now? I need to show up. <laughs> I need to show up at 9 a.m., right? Imagine if I say thank you, that's wonderful. I go out and tell everybody, oh, I got this great new job. I, 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 man, I, not only did I'm getting great pay, I'm getting these incredible benefits, 
I got to show up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Everybody's celebrating with you. You get in your car, you leave your house, and guess what you do? You go to your old job. And you say, I'm here to work. And so you start working at your old job. You keep submitting yourself to your old job. The, the place calls you on Monday night and says, hey, uh, we were expecting you to come. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm great. I'm coming. Okay. Tuesday morning comes around. You come out of your parking lot. People might even have asked you that the night before. How's your new job? It's great. I got great benefits. I get great pay. But you go back to your old job. Does this sound like insanity? I hope it does because that is sin in our lives. It's insanity. It doesn't work. The more we tangle ourselves up in sin, the more we submit to it, the more it doesn't give us what we want. And so Paul is saying here, listen, for just as you presented your members, what are our members? These things, these things, all this, this person, this head, these eyes, all of me, my members, just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now, so here's your choice, Present your members as slaves of righteousness to holiness. Now, you can go and report to the new boss. You can report to your new master. You have a choice. Before, you didn't have a choice. Now, you have a choice. And this choice allows you to present yourselves to that new work. Show up. Show up for that new job. It's, it's a wonderful uh, gift that we have of the grace of God. And the more we understand the grace of God, the more we should say, I want that. I want that. I no longer want the old, the old man. As Charles Spurgeon gives this illustration. A cruel king called one of his subjects into his presence and asked him, his occupation, the man responded, I'm a blacksmith. The ruler then ordered him to go and make a chain of a certain length. The man obeyed, returning after several months to show it to the monarch. Instead of receiving praise for what he had done, however, he was instructed to make a chain twice as long. When the assignment was completed, the blacksmith presented his work to the king, but again was commanded, go back and double its length. This procedure was repeated several times. At last, the wicked tyrant directed the man to be bound in the chains of his own making and cast into a fiery furnace. Listen, like that cruel king, sin exacts from its servants a dreadful price. The wages of sin is death, as we'll see in just a moment in Romans 6.23. But the good news is the last part of that verse, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we'll get there in a moment. Uh, but that is sin. That is when we keep submitting ourselves to sin, we just are wrapping ourselves in our own chain of bondage and, uh, and allowing ourselves to be destroyed by it. So, um, <clears throat> now we have this illustration of these two masters. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? 
For the end of those things is death. Okay, so this is a good question. And by the way, this is a question that we should all ask when we're tempted to surrender ourselves to that old master. Okay, what fruit does it bring in your life? What fruit? Now think clearly for a moment. I don't want you to think of fruit for a moment of pleasure, okay? I don't want you to think of fruit for a, a, a quick way out or fruit for, uh, you know, the, the moment. We're talking about long-term fruit. Well, if we go really long-term, what do we see? Well, we see it brings death. That's what that fruit brings. It brings death. Well, let's go shorter, to, a little bit shorter. Let's come in closer to our lives and see, well, the Bible says your sin will find you out. Well, that's going to be embarrassing. It's going to bring shame. Well, the Bible also says that which you sow, you will reap. Oh, boy. If you, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap a harvest from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap a harvest from the, the, the Spirit. So do you really want the things you've done that sin to come back against you? No, we don't want that. For some reason, we convince ourselves in our insanity that we're just going to get away with it, which we won't. And it's destructive. It destroys families. It destroys relationships. It destroys the individual. It handicaps the individual so that they can't reach the creativity and the potential that God has des- given to them. They, they can't, they can't do, fulfill the purposes of God to make disciples. They, they can't do those things because they're handicapped by sin. They're continuing to, to surrender themselves to it. What fruit does sin bring in your life? So I want to I challenge you that. That's, I think this is one of the great steps that you can take to mature and understand this truth about your freedom in Christ is actually pause for a moment and ask Christ. Pause for a moment and think about, man, I really want that. Ooh, I'd really like that. Ooh, that that might feel really good. Oh, it makes a lot of financial sense. You know, that makes sense. But really think about it because I think as as you understand this and as you bring it before the Lord Jesus, you're gonna see, There's no fruit in that. I don't need that. It's not going to help. It's not going to make the sense that I think it will. Sin never brings the life, the fruit that we want. It only brings death. Again, it may sound contradictory, but slavery is freedom when it is to Jesus Christ. When we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, we really will find freedom. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. So there's the promise. There's an alternative fruit that you can have. Uh, Everlasting life, a fruit to holiness. God can use you greatly for his kingdom. You can reach a potential that he's created you for. You can have... Uh, these things that you want in a way that's a blessing and not, not, uh, not going to bring about uh, a harvest of death, but rather a harvest of everlasting life. So 
Now we're getting into the wages. So we've been talking about work and we've been talking about slavery. And so we're going to sum it all up with Romans 6, 23. And wow, I'm going to end early. This is great. I was afraid about <laughs> being too long-winded tonight. Uh, so Romans 6, 23, uh, after we've been given this wonderful promise of fruit to holiness and, and the end everlasting life, we get this beautiful verse. It's a great verse to memorize if you memorize verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is your new hire package right here. Uh, you have a choice. You can keep going to the old job. Keep surrendering yourself to the old workforce. And the wages that they pay you is just death. The wages of sin is death. Or you can accept that wonderful gift of God, uh, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question is, do we understand grace? Do we understand this wonderful grace of God? I hope, I hope we're starting to, to grab hold of it. Because if we understand grace, we want to put away sin and we want to pursue Christ. And we're ready to present ourselves to the Lord Jesus. We're ready to show up and say, Lord, here I am. I, I surrender to you. I no longer want to surrender to these, this, these old, this old nature, this sin nature, the old man. I want to surrender to you because I recognize that what you have for me and the promises that you give to me are so much more and so much greater uh, because of your wonderful grace. And so here I am, Lord. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times it's just gaining momentum in our lives as, as we walk with Christ. It's just building up the momentum. The hard part is actually moving, right? When, when we're stagnant, We've got to overcome that inertia and make movement. But as soon as we start overcoming that inertia, we start seeking the Lord in his word regularly, reading his word regular, daily reading that word, applying it to our lives, praying, speaking with him, walking with him, submitting things to him. As soon as we start practicing surrendering to him, and sometimes it's phrases, practicing the presence of God. And, and uh, it's kind of a weird way to put it to me personally because the Lord is present. I just need to remember that he's present. But, but really surrendering in the, every moment by moment to the Lord Jesus. And as we start building up that, that momentum, we're going to just continue growing in him. And you're going to see that as you surrender things to him and just uh, understand his wonderful grace, you're going to pursue him more and more. And you're going to be amazed as you look back and see how God has just put away all that sin in your life. And you now have victory in Jesus Christ. And so you'll get up to share a testimony and say, Jesus, that's all I got for you. Jesus did it. And I'm amazed. Jesus, Jesus forgave me. Jesus transformed me. When we first come to Christ, our testimony is, I decided to follow Jesus. When we've walked with Christ for a while, we say, Jesus saved me. <laughs> it's amazing because we start to understand the work more and more of it, the, the wonderful grace of God and the work that he's done on us and how even that choice that we made to follow him was at his prompting and how wonderful it was that he even gave us the choice to receive him as our savior. So 
That is Romans chapter 6 as we close. One last time I want to read verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next week we'll start chapter 7, Lord willing. And, uh, and uh, we'll continue on in this book. I really encourage you to keep reading as you're preparing for Sunday morning, just keep reading through those scriptures that God might uh, really speak to your hearts and, and help you have understanding. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful gift of salvation, your wonderful grace, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, that you have paid the price and we've been able to receive this wonderful gift and Lord, we pray now that we might surrender ourselves to you. If you are in this place tonight and you've been walking and surrendering yourself to sin, I want you to confess that to the Lord right now. And if you don't even know how to get out of it, you, I want you to pray right now, Lord, rescue me. Help me out of this. I, I, I want to surrender to you. I no longer want to surrender myself as a slave to sin. I want to be a slave to you. Lord, and I want freedom. So, Lord God, we ask that you would uh, give wisdom to those who are asking. Lord, that you might set free those who have been surrendering themselves to bondage. Lord, help them to have clarity in the moment to think about what fruit it might bring as they walk with you, Lord. Make, help them to, to see what your word tells them how they should act. We thank you, Lord God, for your love for us. And we thank you that you... You, you endure with us, Lord. You love us so dearly. We thank you that you've already fulfilled that promise to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Um, continue praying for one another. Uh, if, if this message really convicted you, you've been struggling with something, as I believe some of you are because the Lord has just really impressed this upon me, uh, I want to invite you, come speak with me, call me, email me. Let's, let's start speaking about this. Um, I want to encourage you, just bring those things into the light and allow the Lord to really set you free. Uh, I want to end with this wonderful exhortation, benediction from Second Thessalonians. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Amen.